You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. Steve Rabel added another few great calls to the repertoire this year for the Seahawks after a win Monday night against the Minnesota Vikings. It is what we get to talk about today. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com. At what point do you get to go back and listen to those calls, John? Because I hear them all game long. Yeah, you know, either I, I go back and just listen to some of the highlights that have them or we put together on the website. Our, our Rabel calls of the game, pick out a few of the best plays, so get to get to listen to them there. But unfortunately, I never go back and hear the whole radio broadcast, so I only get the, get the highlights. Well, the, you probably heard this one. My favorite one from the week was Rashad Penny scoring for a second straight week. And last week he was shot out of a cannon. This week he had gunpowder burns on his butt after... <laughs> I definitely Once again, miss that one. finding the end zone. I love Steve's calls. I think they're great. They and are. I especially the love best. them after a Seahawks win. And I've said this a number of times. The Seahawks cannot make it easy, but they can certainly make it fun. At what point in the season did you just decide that this is how they were going to play games? Like 2014? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is, I mean, there's been a few stretches where they dominate teams. You know, the end of 2012 being the most obvious parts of 2013. But. The end of 2015 also. But in general, the the style Pete Carroll wants to play doesn't lend itself to a lot of blowouts, but it also keeps you in every game. You know, we've seen some really good teams that blow teams out, still go out and lose by big margins just because the way they want to play can on an off day can really hurt you. This is a team that's going to be in every game. And, yeah, they make it a little stressful on us sometimes, but it's who they are, and they're a really good team. And I know the point differential isn't that crazy like people want it to be but 10 and 2 is all that matters right now seattle's point differential plus 36 by comparison san francisco is plus 166 the but seahawks that's more the outlier if you look at look at green bay and and uh, new orleans yes. who are the other top two teams in the nfc they're at like plus 50 and plus 30 something but it does highlight that you've got two teams that are at the top of the division that are doing it in different ways, For sure. right? You, you can get to the same result. And the Seahawks being 9-1 and one in one-possession games this year, I, I think that says a lot. And Pete Carroll you know, knows that, yeah, it's all about the win, but it's also about being consistently challenged every week so that none of these are out of reach. Crucial. I really think it's crucial that you, you just have to just keep getting ready. And, and uh, you know, it's... it's why we used to schedule the way we used to schedule back in the day, you know, you can those the games with that are almost just distractions, you know, in, in college don't help you, I don't think. And I never think that. And, and it's it's I think it's bears itself out here that these games you just have to just keep getting turned around and get ready regardless of what just happened, good or bad. And so uh, I'm hoping, you know, that's kind of the way I'm you know I'm approaching it. That it's a big deal for us. It's going to help us. Yeah, I mean that that was kind of in response to he, he had mentioned earlier that. You know, this just seems like tough game after tough game. They've been in a tough stretch of, you know, the Niners, the Eagles. I know their record's not great, but that's a talented team. They're on the road. Minnesota's a really good team. Rams are seven and five and always dangerous. So the the point being that when you get to the playoffs, whoever you play, wherever you're going to play it, it's going to be a good team. 
it's probably going to be a game that comes down to the fourth quarter and the final possession or two. So this team is going to be really comfortable in those situations because they've been in them over and over again. Now, see, I like that, but it has led some people on a national stage to say that the Seahawks aren't that good because in those 9-1 and one games where it was decided by one possession, they labored to beat the Bengals, the Browns, the Falcons, and the Bucks. who if you look at overall records, they would not be considered good teams. Now, we all know that anybody could win on a Sunday and that it is hard to win in the NFL, but how much of that style of play has led national people to overlook the Seahawks? I mean, it, it has, but I don't think this team really cares, <laughs> to be honest. The, you know, they are what their record says they are, and they're in first place right now, which is what they want to be. So, you know, those games you mentioned, three of them were on the road, which it's always difficult to win on the road. Or, I'm sorry, two of them were on the road. I can't keep track of the schedule. And I think the Cincinnati game was a lot the product of it being the opener against a new coaching staff. The, the, the Seahawks played that game very conservatively. They played a very conservative defensive approach that let the Bengals throw a lot underneath stuff. And, look, they didn't play great in that game. They still won. And, again, they, they really don't care what the national perception of it, how they're winning. Well, and if you go back to 2012, 2013, 2014, everybody overlooked the Seahawks at some point. They love playing with a chip on their shoulder. And I like that Jadavian Clowney is getting into the mix on this one. You were probably standing there when he said this on Monday. But, you know, we're just letting people say that we aren't any good and nobody expects us to win games, and that's just fine because there's a whole bunch of guys who have a new chip on their shoulder that say, yeah, that's cool. Athlete, it's not just this team. Athletes in general, that's a great motivator for them if they feel like they're being doubted. These are guys who are hyper-competitive. You know, they if if you can give them a little something to fuel them, they'll take it and run with it. I mean, and you just mentioned it in past years. The 2013 team, best team in franchise history, was down 21 nothing to a Owen, I think, 8 Tampa Bay team at home, and they barely won that game. I think it went to overtime. I mean, they... They needed a crazy Richard Sherman pick six against an okay Houston team to win that game. And it's that's how the NFL is more often than not. Yeah, you get teams that get hot, like the 49ers are blowing teams out. But the more common way to win in this league over the course of the season is to be able to grind out some ugly wins. Tampa Bay has been mentioned twice already in the few minutes that we've been together. And there might be something around the Seahawks playing Tampa Bay because if you look at this run of success where the defense has been dominant, you can trace it back to that game against yeah. Tampa. And, and Pete was asked about how much of that really was the turning point. Uh, yeah, the, we were all a little bit frustrated. You know, we're waiting for it to kind of click in where we started to make some things happen. Um, and it really would gauge it by whether, if we're getting the ball. You know, that, that is such a factor in how we play. And uh, we'd been a little bit quiet there for a bit. And, and uh, it's just kind of by the way you play, it happens. You know, you create it and you, the opportunities come your way and you can make the most of it. It changes kind of the complexion of the games and all. So it, it really cranked up after that, it seemed. And, and uh, But, you know, I mean, if, if you want to put the, na- the, the label on that one, you can. I don't know. I don't know if it was that point or not. But uh, certainly we've been better since then. And I think there's definitely something to that game being, I don't know if you want to call it a turning point or whatever, you, how you want to describe it, but you were in that locker room. Those defensive players were not very happy despite getting that win because they knew they, they didn't play a very good game and it was kind of on the tail end of a stretch of giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards. 
you you fast forward to that 49ers game, defense played great, and you heard from guys after the game who said, you know, we wanted to show that we could be the best defense on that field, and there's been so much talk about the 49ers defense. And I think a lot of it was just sort of a pride thing, and then obviously the pass rush gets going. Quandre Diggs has made a big difference on the back end of that defense, and as Pete Carroll said, ball starts coming out, especially when you get that pass rush going, 11 takeaways in the last three games. That's a monstrous number, and that's where they want to be. I, you know, I'm not saying this defense is going to be 2013, 2014 good the rest of the way, but they're plenty good to win a lot of football games the way they're playing right now. But I do think flashing back to that Tampa game and what it was like inside the locker room, it also brings to mind something else that KJ and Bobby said at the beginning of this year, and that is you can't just add players like Jadavion Clowney, and at the time, Quandre wasn't part of the team, but you can kind of fast forward that and expect that you are going to get results. Big names do not necessarily lead to results. We have seen some other big names in the Seahawks locker room, and we have not seen the team come together in past years the way that they're doing this year. And to me, there's also some leadership that's taking place with Bobby and KJ where they know how to rally and get everybody on the same page. For sure. I think their leadership has been a huge part of this, the way it's gotten better. And specifically with the pass rush, I think a lot of it is just uh, people don't necessarily appreciate how much what those guys do plays off each other. And there's a, a kind of a chemistry going on there. And we saw, I mean, the best example we've seen in recent years here was with Cliff and Mike B of just how well they played off each other, set each other up. And that takes time to develop. And Jaron Reed missed a lot of the season. Now he's back. Clowney was new to everything, came in right before the year. Ziggy Yonta was hurt. You know, has only really started to get back to health recently. So it's it's been a slow developing, slower than anyone wanted it to be. But to see the pass rush do what it's doing has made all the difference for that defense. And the name that you didn't mention but you wrote about briefly this week is Rasheem Green. Yeah. I mean, he's forced he's at on least great. two of yeah. those turnovers. In fact, as you pointed out, four of those 11 turnovers that have been forced in the last three weeks have come from 2018 draft picks. Yeah. So you're, you're seeing contributions where you need to see them. Yeah, the, some of these young guys are, you know, the, this year's rookie class outside DK Metcalf has mostly had to make their impact on special teams, but we're seeing last year's class, Trey Flowers, is having a really strong season, you know, second, only a second year playing the position, you know, Rasheem Green, who you already mentioned, a lot of those guys are really starting to step up this year and play big roles. Penny, obviously, of late, has been a big part of the offense these last two games. So, I mean, that's what you need in the NFL is you need, you know, it's great to have the star power of a Bobby Wagner, a R- Russell Wilson, but to keep winning down the road, you got to develop young talent as well. I'm going to say that the Seahawks defense is as good as advertised because they have turned the corner, because that run game is going so well. I mean, look, they've faced top five teams against the run each of the last three games, and they responded with a season-high rushing total against the team that was supposed to shut them down. And the other number I'd point to from Monday's win is one penalty. Yeah, that's If you huge. keep those None trends going... I mean, goodness I'm, gracious. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to have one penalty very often. That's just – that doesn't – happen very under often five in the NFL. I but exactly take. you can you can keep the penalties down and especially on offense where we've seen you know the drives are just they end before they get started you have a hold on first down or you have a false start and it's just it's so hard to get those holes they didn't do that at all last week and it helps offense so much when you can keep it especially a team that you know you want to be able to run the ball and it's it's hard to run the ball on first and 20. The Seahawks' third down efficiency last week, 50% against the Vikings. They were averaging about seven plays a series, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, and it was, you know, 
a lot of times when you're playing with the lead late in a game, that number drops towards the end because you might hand the ball off on third and six or something and not get it because you're trying to run the clock. They they were six for ten at the end of the third quarter, or maybe it was the beginning of the fourth. On that touchdown pass to David Moore came on third down. At that point, they're six of ten, including a huge touchdown. So, yeah, third down. And, again, that goes back to, in some ways, to the lack of penalties. You you make your, your drives a lot easier when you're not getting in that hole. Before we flip the switch and take a look at the matchup against the Rams, because it could be a doozy in another primetime game, I want to hit on the rookies. You talked about how most of this rookie class is contributing on special teams. You and I were standing there talking to Travis Homer mm-hmm. on Monday night after the game. So, most notably, trick play on a fake punt that gathered a first down. Yeah. The fact that he has been back there returning kicks, I assumed that somewhere in his past he <laughs> exactly. had done this before. Yeah, and then we asked him about that, and he said, I was nervous about it because I never really returned kicks in college or high school. You're like, oh, well. That's, that's a NFL is a good to place learn. to learn yeah. something, yeah. But as Pete Carroll described, they love two things that really make him suitable for that role is he's the style, he's a hard direct runner, which you need to be. You got to be decisive and just go. You can't dance around or you're going to get tackled at the 10-yard line. And then being a running back, he knows how to protect the football, which is going to be the number one thing. And it's a big reason people always want to say, you know, why is Tyler Lockett back there if he's your number one receiver? And people are worried about him. And I get that. But those special teams roles are very important, first and foremost, for taking care of the ball. And Tyler Lockett is great at that. And that's, I think, why they've been hesitant over the years to throw anybody else in those roles. I I do like that. It's a mindset shift, right? Because a lot of people look at special teams as, uh, you know, that's for rookies. You know, that's for guys that aren't getting a lot of other playing time. So why, again, why would you put Tyler Lockett out there? The Seahawks value that just as heavily and as important as any other phase of the game. But I do wonder if now that you've seen guys who are capable, whether it be Homer returning kicks or more returning punts, you know, yeah, a little, I, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me now that we've had two games of those guys handling those jobs well. And David Moore hasn't had, like, any big returns yet. But what he did in Philly in that weather to just be secure with the ball really earned him a lot of trust from his coaches. I, I do wonder now if, you know, even with Lockett getting healthier, if, if he's full speed the rest of the way, do you just kind of say, okay, look, let's keep you at receiver, focus on that, let the young guys handle these jobs. And maybe he can be, yeah, keep his legs fresh, but he can maybe be the guy, look, if you need a spark late in a game, you need a punt return, you throw him in there in those big moments. But I'd be just fine seeing the young guys handle those roles going forward. You know, what's funny about you saying spark is that when Travis Homer went back there, and I was just kind of watching the sideline. He does provide a little bit of a spark, and I don't know if that's because teammates recognize that running style from practice that we don't always get to see, or if it's his personality and teammates cheering on the rookie and wanting to make a play. There was a definite energy, and I'm not saying that it's not there when Tyler you know, mm-hmm. is out there, but there was something about the way that he's kind of handled that position that's kind of cool to see. I, I like it. Yeah, for sure. So we will see more of that. We're also going to see a Rams offense that is coming off of their best game of the year against Arizona. And this is a Rams team that will likely look a little different from when the first time the Seahawks met them a couple months ago. Well, they're throwing the ball very much the same as they have. They've been, you know, really productive with the throwing game. Running game isn't numbers aren't quite as, as big as they've been. Um, it's really the only difference that you would see. You know, they're right around 100 yards a game rushing, and uh, I think they were quite a bit more than that last year. So that's that's probably the only factor. But they've got a really 
a diverse throwing game off of their play passes and then off the gun and empties and all the things that they do. Uh, and they, they can throw the ball at anybody. And that was evidence last week when he threw for whatever, 400 or something. He actually threw for 424 and two touchdowns. That would be Jared Goff. That was a career high. Robert Woods, career high, receiving 172 yards. But he hasn't found the end zone yet. No, and they, you know, they haven't thrown it really well. As Pete Carroll mentioned, though, they haven't run the ball the same this year. And that was a big part of it. You know, they ran the ball really well last year, worked off play action a lot. And I think one thing that the Seahawks are expecting this week, you talk to guys, they're going to probably see more of that. Todd Gurley has carried the ball 19 times and 25 times in two of the last three games. It seems they're kind of shifting back to that. They, they maybe realized the, the one-sidedness of their offense wasn't helping them, and whether that's Gurley's health or just the way they're calling plays. Whatever it is, they seem to fix a lot of it last week. We'll see you know, how much of that was playing an Arizona defense that has struggled this year versus oh, they are the them. worst. In yeah. Statistically, they've had the a rough league. go. Yes. There's some talent there, but yeah, it's, it hasn't been their best, best year defensively. So we'll, we'll see how it looks this week, but yeah, I, I would expect it's going to be a little more of that uh, Todd Gurley balanced attack than just trying to sling it. What else have we learned about Todd Gurley and the Rams though? Because at the beginning of the year, it was like, well, we got to save him. We got to make sure that he's fresh, you know, which I kind of get, but it's a little too early in the year in October to save his legs, and he's got the knee thing. And I I just thought that was weird. And so either that strategy is paying off or there's something completely else happening with the Rams. Well, as Sean McVay said, he was asked about using Gurley more, kind of what was going into that, and he said, it's me not being an idiot. So it's it's nice that a coach (laughs) can – can reflect on his shortcomings and fix it. But, you know, it's not like he didn't know Todd Gurley was a good player. I, I'm not sure how much of that is really him just seeing the light on that versus, as we talked about, whether whether the health was, a, you know, we know that he's kind of been an issue going back to last year. But, yeah, I, I, I have a hunch based off the last few games we've seen against the Rams, that offense is going to be a handful. And, uh, you know, the CX defense, as we've discussed, is – in better position now to, to stop them than they were earlier this year, but I don't think it's going to be easy by any means. Yeah, just to recap, in case you would have forgotten that epic Thursday night battle, K.J. Wright called it one of the best games and greatest games he had ever been a part of, and the Seahawks won after Zerline missed a 44-yard field goal, and so I know a lot of people looked at that and said, boy, the Seahawks got lucky, and I understand that point of view, but let's not forget Russell threw four touchdowns in that game, and he was sacked just one time, and the defense had not yet gelled. Yeah, and I, I never liked the, oh, a team missed field goal, so you got lucky, because that's one play out of, you know, however many over the course of a game, and you could point to a million plays before that, that didn't go the Seahawks' way, that if they had got him, maybe the lead's bigger there. So, yeah, I'd, look, it's, you know, there's a little element of luck involved in every game, but I don't buy the other team missed a kick, therefore that was a lucky win argument. And look, there is no luck involved when Aaron Donald is on that defense and you have to account for him. And Pete Carroll talked about what he means for that Rams defense. I don't know if you ever get that done. We don't think that way, no. Um, He's an incredible player and and, uh, so suddenly explosive. I mean, just out of nowhere, he can control the game. And so um, you really have to do, uh, you know, a job to to take care of him, to neutralize him. He's going to have an impact. So we just kind of neutralize it as much as we can. And I heard national people say, well, the Seahawks, they don't have, you know, they're not at full strength on the offensive line. And I'm assuming that they're talking about Joey Hunt, which I don't know if you've watched Joey Hunt play the last few games without Justin Britt. uh, His name has not been called. 
Yeah. They, he's they doing like his job. They, he's there. But it is interesting, Aaron Donald's production this year, what his reputation is, and what he's been able to do against the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, he's been a menace his entire career. So the fact that they held the Rams to one sack last last time they played was, was a big deal. But you can't just assume you're going to match that effort and not have to play really, really good football against Aaron Donald and the rest of that front. He's What's funny about him, I, I heard McVay was asked a question about his his productivity kind of being down this year, and if that's a reflection on his play. And I went and looked. The guy's got nine and a half sacks through 12 games as an interior defensive lineman. Like, that's a that's a career for a lot of defensive linemen. That's, like, the best year they would ever have. And we're questioning if he's having an off year because of that. It's, it's nuts. And that just goes to show how good and how dangerous he is. That That's what the bar is for him is it's expected that he has one or more sacks every game. I'm not sure that this matchup against the Rams is going to look like it did back in October, but where is the Seahawks' opportunity against the division rival? I mean, if you just had to pick one area of the game, where would it be? You know, I, I'll go back to what we've seen the last few times they've played in the running game. That You go back last year, the Seahawks rushed for over 200 yards, including a season-high 273 in two of those games. And this year, you know, as you mentioned, Russ had a great game through for four touchdowns, but they still ran for 140-something. And the running game wasn't then what it has been now. So based off what we're seeing the last two weeks, getting Penny involved, I I think the Seahawks are going to really lean on that run game once again. Yeah, Chris Carson, 118 yards the last time they faced the Rams back on October 3rd. Since you've already given me the part of the game where the Seahawks can win, why don't you go one step further and give me the two things you need to see from the Seahawks this week to ensure a win? I'll stick with that, the running game there. Let's let's say a combined 150 from Carson and Penny. I think, I think they're going to lean on both those guys again, get them going. And then on the other side of the ball, keep the takeaways going. The Rams, Goff's thrown 12 interceptions this year. They're minus four in turnover differential this season. They've, they've struggled a little bit there, so... Let's let's see another two or three takeaways from the defense. I'm going to go with red zone efficiency on offense. The Seahawks are one of the best in the league at converting touchdowns in the red zone. They did it against a Vikings team last week that it was very good at limiting opponents in that regard. I think anytime you get in the red zone, you got to put six on the board instead of settling for a field goal. And I'm looking for Jadavian Clowney. I don't know about the sack numbers, but man, if you could get and this sounds high, but four quarterback hits, I would take it. Primetime game. Just from Clowney, right? Not, just not from everybody. Clowney. Okay. Just from Clowney. He wants a big game. This is an opportunity for him to shine. I'm going to say four QB hits. Maybe one of those gets a sack. Sure, right. let's do we'll it. go with that. How about another touchdown from him? Those help. Uh, that that would help, too. It touchdown? all works yeah. together. Well, good. we will see what we got right next week when we recap this game and continue looking ahead on the Seahawks' incredible run through the season on the Seahawks Insider Podcast.